0: Bridges beyond um, on this picture. This is in the rainforest in Rwanda. If you come, we can take you there. John Paul, who's directly behind me, said, um, I want to cross this bridge, but I'm scared of heights. His knees were shaking and trembling. He said, I'm just really afraid of heights. He said, but I want to do this thing. I want to go over this bridge. So Dave, you go ahead of me and keep calling me, keep telling me to come. And Ron McLean is behind him. And uh, Rob Barron is behind him, and he said to those, he says, when I turn around, when I turn around and want to run, don't let me turn around. Don't let me get off. I want to do this thing. And it, it's kind of a, a picture of, of what leadership and leadership training is about. you got somebody who goes ahead to encourage you and somebody behind you to remind you, you wanted to do this thing, remember? And And, and, and don't give up. So... I just have a few next one, uh, pictures of us happening over there. This is John Paul, and uh, people ask us, how did you, when did you decide to go to Rwanda to do this thing? And you can hardly hear it, but in the audio at a graduation ceremony of graduating about 120 leaders, uh, and I am saying, you're wondering what do you do now, how do you proceed? I says, let me tell you the secret. Uh, years ago, we felt God say to us, you need to train the next generation. And then we says, okay, but... We have no opportunity. Where do we start? What do we do? And the Lord said, Start with the person in front of you. It's that simple. Do you have somebody in front of you? Train that person. Don't worry about anything else. You don't need a budget. You don't need an assignment. You don't need anything. Train the person in front of you. And in doing that, God sent John Paul Seneza into our chapel in, in Steinbeck. The, the fellow... Thir- wait, wait, back it up for a second. The third from the, from the left. So as he came... He was there 17 months, and then he went back to Rwanda as a, a Jonah, as an anissimus. He had come here. Those are his words. And he went back to reconcile uh, with the church over there. And I kept telling him, you need to make a disciple. You need to raise up one. He said, oh, I do. I've, I've got that. I says, well, tell me their, his name. He said, well, i got 50 of them. I said, oh, you haven't got anybody. You got 50 people. No, you haven't got anybody. That's the problem. Then next week I'd call. Says I was going. Now I got 100. I says, Oh, jean Paul, you haven't got anybody. You have to have one. You might have 100, but it starts with one, one on one. So now praise the Lord. The fellow to his no, back up. The other blue shirt guy is his first disciple. He's 18 years old, and he's been uh, baptized now, and he runs the, uh, a program there for him, and the other ones are also disciples of his disciple. And he said to me uh, uh, a few weeks ago, he says, this is amazing, absolutely amazing. Said, What's that? He says, I'm starting to get it, that the answer is in training up one, and then everything happens beyond that. I'll, I'll tell you more about what this is about in a minute. Next slide now. So, Uh, The church we're with is planted by the Pentecostal church, Swedish Pentecostals, and they planted in all those nations. And uh, I've been praying about those nations, and and, uh, I believe God wants us to go into those nations and do something. So whatever the something is remains to be seen. Next slide. Let me say, first of all, how grateful I am to be here. Um, We miss the Salt Lake Conferences because we're in Africa. We miss the Spring Pastors' conference because we're in Africa, and we miss you guys. Uh, we miss being together. Our, Lynn and I are most our most comfortable place is sitting at home with a cup of coffee, with somebody else sitting beside us. That's our most comfortable place to be, and God has chosen to uh, put us in front of more people. And the church we work with they have thirty two hundred chapels in Rwanda, and. We connect with the national leaders and and from the top down. And we like it most when we go out in the boonies and go to a little chapel where the power keeps going out, and those are our favorite places to go. Uh, So the the point of it is is that God calls us to be faithful. And what it looks like typically, first of all, is faithful one-on-one. And from there he will choose what he will do with you. But when people want to do big, grandiose things, and they come to us and want to do that, and I says, whom are you training today? And the answer is, nobody. I says, okay, you're cutting yourself off. You need to be faithful one-on-one. And any one of us can do that. And we were happy to be in Steinbeck doing that. And God says, guess what? Because you're faithfully doing that training, Andrew Micklefield, whom some of you may know, and, and other leaders since then, he says, good, now that you're starting to get it, I want to use you to reach a nation. And it's somewhat overwhelming, but we need to remember. And the Lord said to me, "You need to remember something. When you're pre- preaching or talking to somebody, there's only one face you need to see, and that's the face of Jesus Christ. That's it. You need you're looking for his affirmation for his that a boy. And you can be preaching to a, a smaller congregation or in ten, fifteen, twenty thousand people. I've done both. Um, Jesus says you have to keep." seeing only the Lord and then you're good the smaller groups particularly I like a little better so here's a, a poem there were many times when truth spoke to me but I did not listen often it called to me but I did not hear it I was too busy listening to lies unfortunately if you listen to lies long enough when truth speaks you cannot hear it or cannot bear it um, We all have a system of belief, we all believe something. All our actions, our interactions with people, are based on what we believe. And the question is, what is it that informs our belief system? And we want to look at that today. This message came to me uh, in the middle of the night in Rwanda, and um, we had about a three-week period where we had nothing to preach or speak at or do, or anything, and I felt incredibly uh, insignificant. I felt like I don't make a difference. Uh, I got to be preaching someplace, doing some training, doing something. And, and the Holy Spirit asked me the question. He says, how are you, have I used you the most to accomplish the most? And I says, walking and praying. He says, good. Are you walking and praying? And at the time, I kind of stopped that a bit, if you know what I mean. And I says, okay, I'll, I'll repent and I'll, I'll walk and pray. And as I'm walking and praying throughout Rwanda, this is the week prior to the Genocide Memorial Week, and the Holy Spirit says, Dave, you just don't understand how things work, do you? Uh, let me explain things to you. Our Rwandan friends have given Lin and me a name, and my name is Birinjiro. All you Kenyan rwandan you speaking people, you know what that means, right? And so after four years of being there, and they says, What is your name? I says, I don't have a name because you haven't given me one. So they call me Birinjiro. And Birinjiro means hope. Hope. And the national leaders have said to us, anything the Holy Spirit tells you to do anywhere in Rwanda, the answer is yes. So be careful what you ask for, because the answer is yes. So the Holy Spirit says to me as I'm walking, let me get the straight name. I've given you the key to the nation, and the nation has chosen to call you hope. And now you're walking throughout the country. Hope is walking throughout the country and praying, and you think you don't make a difference you clearly don't understand how things work. So for all of those of you who are praying, and you think, what difference do we make? You need to understand. You clearly make a difference. So in the middle of that, he, had, he, he put this word into my head about leaven. I says, leaven? Leaven, what? In the middle of the night. He said, research it, study it. I got a word for it. So I, I researched and studied it. So the word I'm giving you today, it just made me come alive but encouraged me it encouraged me at a point of of weakness and a point of struggle and a point of what difference do I make and the word leaven came to me now this morning I'm a morning person I got up and I baked you some fresh bread I did indeed yes yes so I got this loaf of bread here (laughs) Did, did, did you get the impact this is a really nice yeah fresh loaf of bread there it is, yep, yep. And you can see that it's got substance to it. See that? Nice, nice and unspringy, right? And so it's called unleavened bread because it has no salt or yeast in it. Would you like some bread, Aaron? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> now taking the exact same amount of flour and the exact same amount of water... We have this. And, but we've added enough yeast that'll cover your fingernail to this piece of bread. See? Did you don't want to swap? <laughs> <laughs> and so here we have fresh baked this morning. See that nice puffy holes in it, hey? A little bit of yeast. And we have the leaven inside of us. And the question is, what is it that informs us? And it can inform us for good or for bad. But it impacts everything. And so the Lord reminded me, walking throughout the country and praying, He says, I'm dropping yeast all over the place. Don't worry about it. Just be faithful. Okay, so proceeding now. Beware of what you listen to. Proverbs 4, verse 23 because you're spinning off of Proverbs. So even though I got this word before you did the Proverbs, there it is. Be careful of what you think because your thoughts run your life. Uh, now we're going to proceed down the slides here. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. Father, I just thank You for Your Word. I thank You that Your Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I thank You that You write Your Word in our hearts. And I thank You, Father, that You gave us the gift of Your Holy Spirit. And Father, we need You now. We need Your Holy Spirit. Without Your Holy Spirit, these words are nothing. Stories are nothing. So, Holy Spirit, speak to us for your glory. Amen. If we listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ and apply it to our lives, something changes. The Spirit of God enters us, the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, in the Garden of Eden, God breathed his life, for all you Greek speakers, his Zo life, into Adam. Dave um, Perry told me to had to make sure that this was good, uh, and so I suck in the Greek word for him. I don't know any Greek, but he does. So <laughs> He breathed his life into us, his identity, and Adam and Eve threw it away. Then when Jesus came, he says, You don't understand. I want the image of God to be in you, the identity and the life of, the, of God in each person. So when Jesus rose from the grave, then he came and he breathed that life into us, as born-again believers, and He created life, and He blew it into us. And He says, this is who we are to be. You are to carry the image of God, and it is His Spirit in us, His breath in us, His life in us, that gives us that, that image of God. In 1 Peter two nine, it says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, in Rwanda, we've heard stories about Tutsis and and Hutu and and the murder and, and the genocide, and that happened, and people wonder about those things, and chosen people, best people, select people. Then we got the white people are are special chosen people. Black people, well, black people, that's a sign of a curse. Some people preach that from a pulpit, uh, which is really, really wrong. But I'm just telling you that where there's differences, people will say, oh, I'm favored, I'm chosen. We're chosen people, we're favored. God has chosen us, we're special above all others. Truth is, God has a chosen people. They're the ones that have His Holy Spirit. And it is not a factor of skin color, nationality, tribal group, anything. The instant we accept Christ as our Savior and His Holy Spirit enters us, we become aliens on this earth. We don't fit anymore. We now become different creatures. We have a different homeland, a different country, because we've been created and formed in the image of God. Now, Jesus taught in many parables Uh, He had a way of communicating the truth so that hopefully it wouldn't be as offensive and people still got offended at it, and I get that. So as he was preaching, he had people listening, and the Pharisees were listening. The Pharisees were controllers of the law. They knew the law. They knew God's Word. They knew the law, and they controlled the law. They taught the law. We had the Sadducees, and they were powerful controllers of business and money, and they, together with the Pharisees, could make life for you very miserable or very pleasant. So if you cooperated with the Pharisees and Sadducees, life was good. It was also these two groups who worked together with the government, the civil government, and they formed the rules and regulations, and they together controlled virtually everything in their society, in the nation and in the church. And they were all about power and control. They knew how to influence people. If you want to influence a nation or people, you find the one that the nation is looking to, the one they want to follow, you get that person, and then through that person you can control the masses. Which is, of course, why our media system and entertainment system and sports thing is such a huge deal. Because um, hockey players, how many hockey players were around tucking their shirt in one pad after Gretzky did it and wanted to be like Gretzky? And we, we follow these people. So even back then, they knew that we've got to get the one that people listen to, get control of him, then we got control of the people. So that's what they tried to do with Jesus as well. So in the middle of this, Jesus is preaching and teaching, and he knows it's in a hostile environment. He is keenly aware that it's a hostile environment. Jesus was born a Jew, and the Jewish people says, we are special, we're a special people group, we're different from everybody else, all those people are, are not as good as us. So the the, the whole casting thing was coming into play. So we need to be aware of what we listen to. So we want to tune our ears a bit. Mark 4 23 says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he was saying to them, take care of what you listen to. By your standard of measure it will be measured to you and more will be given to you besides. For whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away. I've often heard that talked about in money. But he's actually not talking about money here. Whoever has wisdom and understanding will gain more wisdom and more understanding. And in Proverbs 9 verse 10 it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Then if we continue in the fear of the Lord, we will increase and grow in wisdom. You ever meet somebody who was walking with the Lord, alive with the Lord, and then they choose suddenly to not live with the Lord, walk with the Lord, but... God has told them they're supposed to marry somebody else who's not their wife. You ever met people like that? And they, they used to seem really intelligent and have insight in, in life, and all of a sudden they just seem to be going increasingly less intelligent. And, and that's what the Lord is talking about. He says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, beginning of knowledge. The fool has said in his heart, Psalms 14 verse 1, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abdominal sins. There is no one who does good. In Luke 8 verse 17, Jesus continues, he says, For nothing that is hidden uh, will not become evident, nor anything secret that will not be known or come to light. So take care how you listen. Before he says, be careful of what you listen to. Now he's saying, be careful of how you listen. Even because if you're not careful, even what you think you have will be lost. So you think you're smart, you think you have understanding, be careful, because as we listen to things and we soak them in and they come into the fiber of being, all of a sudden we make judgments of things and and, and we go wonky. Uh, how do we listen? So now be, be aware of what you listen to. Mark Matthew 16, verse 6 says, And Jesus said to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The disciples didn't get it. They thought Jesus was talking about the finer things of, of how you handle food, uh, maybe of the law, what you do with the law. And, and so they thought he was talking about the food or, or law, and they didn't get it. So Jesus explains to them, he says, How is it that you do not understand that I do not speak to you concerning bread, but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? They just thought he was talking about bread because he was talking about bread. But he wasn't talking about bread. Do you get that? He says, you're not getting it. You think it's about bread because I'm talking about bread, but it's not. He says, I want you to understand something. There's something that has gone into this bread and something that's gone into this bread. And what you see is the result of what has gone into it. So be careful of what you mix into your bread. And then he says to them, then they understood that they did not say to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So I love sitting with people and asking, So what have you been reading? What are you reading these days? And people tell us what they're reading. And it's interesting what they don't realize by telling me what you're reading is you're opening up a window to your soul. Whatever you're reading, secular, spiritual, whatever you're reading, it opens up a window to your soul. Because people try and convince us of things And there's things that we believe and we swallow things that that we shouldn't. So the teaching, Jesus is warning them to be careful of what they listen to. For leaven, a little bit goes a long way. If you don't think so, uh, let's imagine for a minute you have a a 22, 24-year-old daughter who's not married. You got it? Anybody here that's got that? There we go, we got some here. So let's imagine your daughter comes home and says, Mom, Dad, I have, I have a little problem that I want to discuss with you. And they say, okay, what is it? What little problem can we help you with? And she says to them, well, I'm a little bit pregnant. Just a little bit. No, it's no big deal, Mom and Dad. Okay, just a little bit. We all understand that it's a big deal. Because there's no such thing as a little bit pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. And it illustrates what we listen to, what we believe. That's no big deal. I'll just listen to a little bit of this. I'll just see what it feels like if I thought that or believe that. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. So we need to be careful. Luke 12 verse 1 says, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy? What is hypocrisy? Interesting, what does Jesus call hypocrisy? And he says in Matthew 15 verse seven, "You hypocrites rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you. you pe- the people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. but in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. I don't know about you, but when I grew up, we in cleannt and I was up in Manitoba, but forum in clean. Vini and to all the on right? And the Manonites, they say no it's crack so you must susit leaven so Anybody understand me? That's not that good as it used to be. I grew up in a Mennonite home in a Mennonite community, and the rules were clear. And you accepted Christ as your savior, and then after that came the rules. Now you've got to do this, got to live like this, you've got to be like this, you've got to do this, and, and these are, this is it. And we were told that if you, if you dance, you're, you're going to go to hell. Dancing is sin. So I couldn't raise hands in worship, I couldn't move, no, 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 that's, that's, that's bad. And I would ask the pastor, where do you get that? Where does that come from? He said, just, just listen to your leaders. Teaching the precepts of man as though they're the doctrines of God. Then in our family of churches, we could get baptized by sprinkling or by pouring or by immersion. You could decide. Well, that's cool. I choose immersion. And all hell broke loose. (laughs) Everybody else had been sprinkled and poured. What's wrong with sprinkling and pouring? Because I thought we could be baptized with immersion or sprinkling and pouring. Well, yes, but our practice is sprinkling and pouring. I said, okay, so what, what is the trump card here? Is it the practice or the doctrines of God? This is what we do. This is how you do it. Oh, Jesus had a word for that. Hypocrisy. And so when we get to Rwanda, we're in a Swedish Pentecostal church where Lynn always wears a long dress because to not wear a long dress, you can't take communion. It's sin. Or if you wear makeup or jewelry, you can't take communion it's sin if you dye your hair it's sin if you want to play football or soccer you can't because it's sin so we come into this environment and I go I know this environment <laughs> I grew up in this <laughs> god prepares us for where he sends us so in the middle of that and as we walk into the churches as we ask them you got 2 million adults. You have clearly about a million kids. Over 60% of the population is, is under 24 years of age. What's your strategy for reaching the youth? They said, well, we have Sunday school. I went to saw the room. They had a small room with 40 kids in it and one teacher. That's the plan. Wow. And so we were, I was preaching in a church, and we saw the football pitch, the soccer pitch across the, the road, or across the parking lot, and there was kids there, and I said, What about those kids? He says, They should be in church worshiping. This is Sunday. That is sin. I said to the pastor, I says, I see you have a problem. He says, Yes. I said, I can help you with that. Oh, good. I says, the problem is actually not on the pitch, the problem is here with you. As if Jesus could leave heaven to come to earth to share the love of the Father. Lynn and I can leave Canada to come here to share the love of the Father, surely you can walk across the pitch and share the love of the Father. So we spoke with the leaders in the church. They had a national assembly, declared. We exposed from Scripture, challenged them. They made a declaration, football is not sin. (laughs) Hallelujah! And the girls can wear the, the shorts and play football hallelujah and Jean Paul our spiritual son God has chosen him and he heads up a national program they have about 1700 kids involved in 25 locations it's coming to completion the first term the objective is to reach more than a million kids for Christ in five years we train 65 indigenous missionaries to use football to reach the kids we call it church on the pitch And those kids reciting those Bible verses were on that very same pitch, unchurched, unsunday-schooled kids, just kids, learning long Bible verses and portions of Scripture. Church on the pitch. And the pastors come and they see this and they say, I want in on this. What difference does leaven make? A little bit of leaven. God chooses where to put it and how to grow it into something else. Okay, so when we teach... Disciplines as doctrine. Then he says, be careful of what you listen to. Matthew 12 verse 15. Some Sadducees who say there's no resurrection came to Jesus and began questioning him. If you remove the hope of the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe there's a resurrection. There's no hope of the resurrection. You see, we have the Sadducees and the Pharisees here today. I've often said tongue-in-cheek that Trump was elected by the Pharisees and Trudeau was elected by the Sadducees. See, the Sadducees who say there is no life after death, there's, there's nothing about this. It's just this life here. And the Pharisees who have all the rules and you know what to do, and they say the answer is to make more rules. And we get it wrong. So then he says in Mark chapter 8 verse 15, there's more leaven. And he was make, giving orders to them saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. I'd never seen that before. The leaven of Herod. What in the world is that? Well, if you're in politics, rule number one is you need to uh, get power. Right? Don't be in opposition. You need to get power. Because when you can be in control, when you can form the government, then you can do good things because you know you want to do good things. So be in power. Number two, once you have power, you have to stay in power. So whatever you have to do or say, you have to stay in power because you are going to help the people. You're going to do the right things. And then when you're staying in power, what you have to do is you have to get more power. Because the reason the good things aren't happening, because you don't have enough power. You need more power. And you need money. You need power and you need money. All these things is what you need. And this is what believing in the government says, is that you have all the power. And the leaven of Herod is this. The hope that we have is in a governmental system. If we could just elect the conservatives, then things would go well. Well, guess what? No. If the NDP were in power, if the liberals were in power, if the Green Party, no, no, no. If your hope is in a government, you have no hope. The government has only control within the bounds of the government. And your problems will sometimes come outside of those bounds. Well, the answer then is you need to extend your borders. Right? And that's where we get aggression. Where we get Crimea. All these things happening. What informs what, what us if we think government is the answer? Now, I believe we need to have Christians in government. And I thought years ago, Andrew Micklefield was a politician. And we need good Christians in government. Absolutely. But the pulpit is for the gospel and the podium is for politics we need to know who we are and what we are so be careful of what you listen to preach this in Rwanda where there's a few more sensitive tender ears about politics and, and one of the pastors said to us you know you're talking about our president I said no I'm not I'm talking about Herod yeah, but we know what you're saying. As I'm just talking about Herod, but if you think your hope is an apolitical figure, you do not have hope. So that's three leavens we have. What leaven is it that informs you and me? Where do we put our hope? What do we listen to? And then Jesus says, um, "There's another leaven." He spoke in Matthew. Matthew 13, He spoke parables to them. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. The gospel of Jesus Christ is inside of you and me. You know how you make sourdough bread? Well, you, if you take a piece of... If you take this dough before you bake it, which has been expanded, right? So it's got yeast in it. And I break off a chunk of this flour, this dough... And I have a pile of dough like this that has no yeast in it and it's not been baked yet. And I stick this dough in the middle of this dough and I cover it. There we go. I'm going to hide it inside of there. And I put it in a bowl and I put it in a nice warm place and I hide it. And I come back the next day now the whole loaf is leavened. So you and me are that lump of dough. And wherever we are, the yeast emanates. You can smell the yeast. You can smell a piece of bread when it's got the yeast in it. And it emanates out of us. So what is it that leavens us? <clears throat> the truth of Jesus Christ can seem like such a small thing. It's just a little seed. What difference do we make? So being in Rwanda praying, I said, What difference do we make? What difference difference do we make? And what happens, hang on, I just missed one point here, that is very, very point. My, my, I only have one eye now, so it's a little hard for me to see. But by God's grace, the doctors will fix that, or God will heal me without the doctors. If we are not careful what we listen to, what happens is this. We will get government leaders and church leaders who will get up and tell us, we need to go kill our neighbors. That happened in 1994. People went to church in the morning. and They took communion together. They went home and had a nap. Then they started killing each other. Christians killing Christians. How does that happen? If you're not grounded in the truth, you'll swallow anything. You'll believe anything. You'll do anything. Here we were in the West. We heard about it. We saw it. If we're not grounded in the truth, we won't do anything. It's just those black people killing black people. It's just tribalism. It's just, it's just, it's just. We don't see them as brothers and sisters and we don't care. That's what happens when we're not grounded in the truth of God's Word. We need to be grounded in the truth of God's Word. To love each other and to care for each other. Psalms 119 verse 11 says, Your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's that picture of taking that, that leavened dough and putting it in and, and hiding it. Your word have I put in there. I've treasured it. I've searched it out to put in my heart. 2 Timothy 1:4 says, Guard through the Holy Spirit, guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in you, the treasure which has been entrusted to you. The Holy Spirit has been entrusted to you. God's Word has been entrusted to you. Guard it in your heart. Treasure it. Ezra 7:10 says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord to practice the law of the Lord, and to teach His statutes and His ordinances in Israel. We need to study it, to practice it, and to teach it. We were uh, at a conference. uh, Aaron, have you been to Rwanda with us? Okay, not yet. Uh, (laughs) We were at a conference. I know Ron and John were at this one. We had about 450 pastors there. And I said to them, So these were the the top leaders in the nation. I says, I have the ability to tell you exactly who you are. Exactly. So I can stand in front of everybody here and tell you exactly who you are. And it just got really quiet, kind of like it did here just now, right? Uh-oh. I says, this is the ability God has given to me. If you just give me five minutes with your wife and your kids then I will tell everybody exactly who you really are. See, it's not mystical or magical. Who are you? Your wife and kids know who you are. I have been someone that my wife didn't love and my kids didn't love. I've been a bad husband. I've been the legalist pounding on the pulpit. I've been the emotional verbal abuser. I have been that person. I know that I've been the liar. I know that person. The pretender. The elder in the church. Who I did not want you to talk to my wife and kids. I know that person. I'm not him anymore. I'm not him anymore. But if you're hiding, if you're hiding, it comes out. What is the leaven that informs you? Who do we present ourselves to be? Is it genuine? Are we real? The answer, Acts chapter 7, verse 11, says, Now these, he's talking about the Bereans, were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the Scripture daily to see whether these things were true. Therefore, many of them believed. I I preached this sermon in a... In a church in Rwanda where I'm a pastor, I'm an ordained pastor in Rwanda. And I preached it at the assembly of seven nations. And I said to them, I says, You shouldn't believe me just because I'm a white missionary pastor. That's those are not good reasons to believe me. You should take every word I say. Then you should go home and take out this book and say, Is this your word, God? Is this really you? And you need to test it and examine it. If you don't do that, somebody will get up and say, go kill your neighbors and you'll do it. And we have history to look at where it happened. We need to be people of the Word of God that needs to be written in our hearts. So the Bereans, they took everything and they examined it. Therefore, many of them believed, when we become men and women of God's Word, weighing everything, is this really you, is this really you, with God's Word, revealed Word. Then we come back at it, we say, we've got to do this, this is incredibly fantastic, and you won't say because Dave said. No, 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 no. But you've heard it as a word from the Lord. The reason they play football now and use it to reach the kids is not because Dave said, but they heard a word from the Lord. Do you understand me? If they did it because I said it, then we're just same old, same old. And I'm tired of same old, same old. And we build relationally with these people. We're going there now for 10 days to be with them to build relationally. And there's two questions people typically ask us here what are you going to do? And where's the money coming from? They're non relational questions. We say we're relational, we talk relational but is our practice relational? Do we care for people? Are we with people? So be careful what you listen to. Are we listening to the leaven from heaven? The leaven of the Pharisees? Have we got all the answers? Have we got it all figured out? The leaven of the Sadducees? Ah, who cares? It'll all work out in the end. Let's just have a good time. Sha-na-na-na-na-na, live for today. And don't worry about tomorrow. Who are you listening to? The voices from the government? Oh, if we could just get this guy out of power and this other guy in power. That's what we need to do. Maybe we need to, but that's not the answer. Father, I thank you that you're our Father. You call us sons and daughters. I thank you for your word that is spirit-breathed. And I thank you for your spirit that is in us. And Father, any of these words that you have for any of us, including me here today, may take hold and impact the very fiber of my being for your glory. Amen.